Hello, you're listening to Sarah McCoy, and this is Session 7 of This Means War, a new weekly podcast series on Bible battles that symbolize contemporary situations. I've been a Bible teacher at Owasso First Assembly in Owasso, Oklahoma, for over 40 years, and I love the way that God's Word shows itself practical to today, time after time. In this seventh episode, we will examine the battle that Samson fought with the Philistines in Judges 15 for the symbolism that it holds for modern Christians faced with fighting evil. But first, let's read the very last verse of the entire book of Judges because it sums up the situation during that 400-year period before the nation became a monarchy. It says in Judges 21-25, In those days, Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. Well, that certainly led to a lot of problems and a sad cycle of the nation first serving the Lord, but then gradually falling away, backsliding into sin and idolatry as they looked at the nations and their practices that surrounded them. And then the Lord would allow them to become enslaved or oppressed And then they would finally come to their senses and cry out to him. And then the Lord would raise up some sort of a judge who would not only settle their disputes, but perhaps serve like a general in the army and take them to war so that they could be delivered and also prophesy. So then they would start serving the Lord again and things would go okay for a while, but then they would fall into idolatry and the whole cycle would repeat. So we want to look at Judges 15, but we should back up briefly and talk about how Samson got to be a judge. There was a 40-year period towards the end of this book of Judges where the Philistines had overtaken the nation and subjugated Israel. And as the people cried out to God, the Lord sent an angel to a man whose name was Manoah and his wife of the tribe of Dan and told this childless couple that they would have a son and that this son would begin to deliver Israel from Philistines. And so the boy was born. He took a Nazarite vow. He never cut his hair. He didn't touch dead things. He didn't drink wine. And he was set apart special as someone who had decided to follow God exclusively. Then in chapter 14, he decides to marry a Philistine girl, which greatly disappointed his parents. They tried to talk him out of it, but he wouldn't hear any different. This was not Delilah. You remember hearing about Samson and Delilah. That came later. But he went through the marriage ceremony to this young woman, and his wedding party was Philistine men. So as part of the wedding festivities, since they took place over a week, Samson posed a riddle to them, and it was kind of like a bet. So whoever won the bet would get changes of clothing. So after these men listened to this riddle and tried to figure out the answer to it over a period of days, they gave up and began to pester Samson's new wife to find out the answer so that they could properly answer and not have to give Samson these clothes in this bed. So 
She nagged Samson until he finally was driven crazy and gave her the answer. And she immediately told it to the wedding party. And then they answered him on the last day when the riddle was supposed to be solved. And he was so angry because he knew what his wife had done that to get the clothing for these men to satisfy the bet, he went and killed 30 men and took their clothes. So although these things are difficult to understand, we can see how the Lord is allowing all of this to eventually begin to make a dent in the Philistine subjugation of Israel. So Samson, in anger, left, and his wife was given to another man. So when he came back to her home after a cooling-off period and wanted to start life with her, her father broke the news that, well, sorry, I gave her to someone else. I thought you were gone. So Samson, in his anger, does this strange thing that we read about in Judges 15, where he goes and gets 300 foxes and ties their tails together two by two with a firebrand or a burning torch in between the tied-together tails of these pairs of foxes and turns them loose in Philistine agricultural land and a great deal of damage is done with fire. And when the people are concerned and who did this and what is the cause of this, it comes to light that it was Samson who was trying to get revenge for his wife being given to another man. And so they responded by burning to death this wife and her father. So now Samson is really riled up and he slaughters several of them. That brings us to the book of Judges chapter 15, verse 9, and we see the Philistines' response. The Philistines went up and camped in Judah, spreading out near Lehi. The people of Judah asked, why have you come to fight us? Well, the reason they were there is that Samson had holed up in a cave after he had killed all these Philistines in retribution for his wife and her father being burned to death. We've come to take Samson prisoner, they answered, to do to him as he did to us. Verse 11, Then three thousand men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said to Samson, Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, I merely did to them what they did to me. They said to him, We've come to tie you up and hand you over to the Philistines. Samson said, Swear to me that you won't kill me yourselves. Agreed, they answered. We'll only tie you up and hand you over to them. We won't kill you. So they bound him with two new ropes and led him up from the rock. As he approached Lehi, the Philistines came toward him shouting. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. The ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. Finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Then Samson said, With a donkey's jawbone, I have made donkeys of them. With a donkey's jawbone, I have killed a thousand men. When he finished speaking, he threw away the jawbone, and the place was called Ramoth-Lehi. Because he was very thirsty, he cried out to the Lord, 
You have given your servant this great victory. Must I now die of thirst and fall into the hands of the uncircumcised? Then God opened up the hollow place in Lehi, and water came out of it. When Samson drank, his strength returned, and he revived. So the spring was called En-Hakor, and it is still there in Lehi. Samson led Israel for 20 years in the days of the Philistines. What a strange story, and what could that possibly have to do with a contemporary person living a Christian life? There are three main parts to this story. As we review it, we can see that first Samson received, and then he responded, and then he had to be refilled. So let's begin with that receiving. Samson saw this army coming up to him, and he knew that it was them or him. And so it was time for the Spirit of God to come mightily upon him so that he could fight this battle. He did what he did because he received from the Lord the power to do it. We are reminded then of Zechariah 4, 6, when the Lord spoke specifically to Zerubbabel, who was at the time the governor of Jerusalem, about the time it was being rebuilt after the Babylonians had overtaken and kept Israel for 70 years. So he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. By my spirit. So we first, before we can do anything for God, before we can have any victories, must receive from him. He was able to kill a thousand men with the jawbone of a donkey because he received this marvelous empowerment from God. In other words, it wasn't something that he really deserved or had earned. It was pure grace. In Leviticus 26, 7 and 8, it says, You will pursue your enemies, and they will fall by the sword before you. Five of you will chase a hundred, and a hundred of you will chase ten thousand, and your enemies will fall by the sword before you. So it was biblical to expect that the Lord would empower Israel when they had a righteous battle to fight to do above and beyond what you would expect a man of reasonable strength to be able to do. They were already promised that. Joshua 23, 9 and 10, years later, right before the period of the judges began, the Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. This is Joshua talking before he died. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. He says to the Israelites, one of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. So we see again scriptural precedent for one person receiving by the power of the Spirit of the Lord, the strength to conquer a thousand. And that was exactly what happened in this case. It was great grace. And so, after he received, Samson responded by acting in faith. He received grace, and so 
He took that strength and he acted in war and slew a thousand men. In fact, we know this was an act of faith, even though it doesn't say it in the passage in Judges 15, because it's mentioned in Hebrews 11. That famous chapter that goes through and mentions several of the people from the Old Testament who acted in faith, you get to verses 32 through 34, and it says, And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, there's Samson's name, and Jephthah about David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith, did you catch that? Through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Well, that's what Samson did. He became powerful in battle. And it was an act of faith. He was so sure that God would be with him and that he had received this strength by the power of the Spirit that he acted on it and achieved a victory. That reminds me of others in the Scripture who used whatever resources were available to act. Because you remember that Samson looked around him sort of impromptu and determined that the only weapon or weapon-like thing to use that was close by was this fresh jawbone of a recently killed donkey. I don't know if you've ever seen a jawbone of a donkey, but the back teeth, the molars, are separated by a little notch from the lower front teeth so that there's almost a spot that's specifically ergonomic for holding with the hand. And then it has a curved shape so you can see how it could be used. He looks around him and he doesn't have a sword. He doesn't have a javelin. He doesn't even have a slingshot. So he picks up this bone and he uses this by the power of God's spirit. That was also done in other cases like when Moses was before God in the story of the burning bush and the Lord said to him as he was expressing his reservations about being used by God to deliver the children of Israel from captivity in Egypt, the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? And he said, it is my staff. And God was able to use that staff over and over. You remember when he threw it down on the ground, it became a serpent. When he picked it up again, it was once again a staff. And that was a sign of God's power to Pharaoh and his men. He also used that staff to hold it up before God when Joshua and his people were down below fighting a battle. And as long as he held his hands up in the air, clutching the staff, the fighting men below had victory. He also used that staff when he struck the rock when the people were so thirsty and water came out. You go to the story of Gideon, and he and his men went into battle with trumpets and pitchers. God used those. You've probably heard the story about David fighting the Philistine giant Goliath with a slingshot, and he took with him five smooth stones. In the New Testament, when Jesus was going to heal a blind man one time, he spit on the ground, 
and made mud with the dirt that the spit fell on. And he put that mud on the blind man's eyes and told him to go wash. In the book of Acts, people took cloths and touched the body of Paul as he passed by and then took those cloths to the sick and laid those cloths on the sick and they were made well. And so the point is that after we receive from the Spirit of the Lord, we respond in faith using whatever resources happen to be on hand. Perhaps for us today, it could be a nice building where our church could meet, or it could be using small groups, perhaps, instead of a Sunday night service, or it could be a youth outing that attracts young people to getting familiar with a church group so that they might want to hear the gospel message. It might be passing out notes during a sermon so that people have something to write on and some ways to remember what they've been learning. It might be using a PowerPoint in a Sunday school class to show pictures or read scripture. It could be modern music or a coffee bar or a Christian exercise class. But the point is, like Samson, we can receive power from the Spirit of the Lord and then respond in faith with whatever resources we have on hand. It is important, though, to note that in Judges 15, 17, it says, when he finished speaking, that was Samson after he was talking about the victory he had with this jawbone of the donkey, he threw away the jawbone. In other words, the victory didn't really come because he was using a jawbone. It came because he was acting in faith in response to the power of the Spirit of God. The actual technique or method of the moment is not in and of itself sacred. Do you remember that in Numbers 21, after the Israelites had been bitten by poisonous snakes for complaining, that they were told, Moses was told, to raise up a bronze serpent on a pole, and anyone who looked on it would be made well. Well, the people saved that bronze serpent on the pole for several hundred years, actually. And we read in 2 Kings 18, 3 and 4, about the reign of the righteous king Hezekiah. It says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, and cut down the Asherah poles. In other words, King Hezekiah was eliminating the idolatry that had crept in. He broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, for up to that time the Israelites had been burning incense to it. Do you see the mistake they made? The bronze snake on the pole was the method of the moment that God had used, but instead of honoring God, they took that bronze snake on the pole and made it into their own idol and started worshiping it as though it had some power in and of itself. So that's kind of a side note, but we should remember that the gospel message is what must be preserved and God's word, but not the techniques that we use 
at the time to fight a battle against evil. So first we receive, and that's God's grace, and then we respond by faith, and then we must be refilled. So at the end of this marvelous victory, and after throwing away this jawbone of the donkey, Samson becomes so thirsty that he feels like he's about to die, and God supernaturally provides for him water in a hollow place. Killing a thousand men would take some time, don't you think? And it would be unbelievably stressful, even if it took only one minute to slay each person. A thousand minutes is several hours. And I can imagine that he must have been sweating and straining and working so hard, and it would be enough to deplete any person. So... The Lord provided for him this wonderful water that restored him. Water is a symbol of the indwelling of God's Spirit and salvation in more than one place in Scripture. Remember when Jesus met with the woman at the well? He said to her in John 4.10, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Then, in John 4, 13 and 14, he tells her, this woman at the well, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So we see water likened to salvation. Same book, the book of John chapter 7, verses 37 through 9, and we see it again in a different context. It says, On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So, as we go out and act in faith and fight battles on His behalf, we will find ourselves in need of a replenishing of God's Spirit. Luke eleven thirteen. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more, and this is Jesus talking, Will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So just like Samson said to God, after this great victory, are you going to let me die of thirst? And then the Lord graciously and immediately provided him the water he needed to keep going. We can expect that the Lord will refill us with his Spirit as needed. Ephesians 5.18 says, Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. And so, in this marvelous story in Judges 15, we see that first, Samson received of God's grace, and then he responded in faith by going to battle against the wicked Philistines. And then... When he recognized that he was depleted and needed to be refilled, God provided for him the water 
that was required. And in the same way, we can receive God's wonderful grace, respond to him by in faith, daily fighting the battles we must, and then being refilled. Well, how, how do you receive this refilling? It's very simple. You simply go to his word and ask. And you can go to his word by going to church. You can go to his word by reading the scriptures. You can go to his word by listening in your spirit when you're in prayer. But you can expect that each day he will refill you to begin again the wonderful ministry of fighting the battle against evil day by day. If this podcast has been a blessing to you, pass it along. 